You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Ed. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Melissa. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we're going to talk about a case that happened a while ago in the 80s, but it kind of got brought back into the media recently. And this case is about Mary Ann Bagenstos, and she went missing in 1984. She lived in West Willow, Lancaster County, and this location is near kind of like Lidditz, Ephrata. In 1984, Mary Ann was a happy, happily married 25-year-old. She had a son named Jeremy, and she worked as a nurse's aide. And on the afternoon of June 5th, 1984, that was the last time Mary Ann would be heard from or quote-unquote saw from her. So this was kind of a shock to everyone because they said her son was her entire life. She was happy. She was kind of trying to start on a new foot, if you will. So Marianne married Jer Bagenstos on June 16th, 1981. But by 1984, they were going through a separation. And this was kind of during the time of her disappearance. On June 5th, she was on the phone with her mother and Marianne had told her that Jer was stopping by to take them to look at a used car. He was planning on buying it for her, which to me is a little bit curious because their separation wasn't, you know, a sweet thing. It was definitely contentious. And I went through a separation with my son's father and the last thing he wanted to do was buy me a car. That's a big purchase. <laughs> yeah, it is. Do we know why they were separated? Like why they were getting separated or... What decision had, why that decision had been no. made? No. No, it didn't mention anything like he was abusive or didn't mention anything about maybe like a drinking problem or if anyone stepped out. It was just, it wasn't working. That's all I could read. And I think at that time they were less likely to say bad things about other parties mm-hmm. like they are mm-hmm. today. Everyone wants to know the tea. <laughs> yeah. And back then they were definitely more conservative. Fair. So, well, regardless, involved. regardless how it happened, you don't go buying your ex a car. Yeah, right. Yeah, at least yep. if it's contentious. <laughs> I guess if you are super amicable about it, maybe. But if you're saying it was already like there's already a custody battle, it just doesn't sound like that would be the case. It's it is odd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Jer told the police that when he arrived that day to pick Marianne up, she wasn't ready. So he decided to take their son to a local park called Long's Park. And while they were there, they fed the ducks, you know, spent some time. And by the time they ended up coming back to grab Mary, she was gone. He said he found a note in the kitchen saying that the car wouldn't start and she needed to hit Turkey Hill. And this was not uncommon because it was less than a mile from Mary Ann's home. And she frequented it quite often. And it makes me think because like right down the street from me is a Turkey Hill, my partner hits it all the time. So it wouldn't be out of the blue to find a note like that. Sorry. So her car wouldn't start because it was out of gas? Is that kind of what we're inferring from that? That's why she needed to go to Turkey Hill? During the investigation, Jared kind of made it seem like the car was giving them problems. That's how they were going to buy a new car. Gotcha. She was just making an iced iced tea run. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was noted that she went in there a lot. I mean, they do sell groceries. We go there for bread and milk when we run out. Um, 
and the staff completely knew her. They knew her by name gotcha. and face. Um, and if she was yeah. by chance a smoker, people run for smokes right down the street all the time. That's very true. I didn't think about that. That's what Sean does. <laughs> so, like I said, she frequented it so much. The police did ask her if they maybe saw her and everyone said no. And Marianne's mother was kind of reluctant to, you know, agree with this theory because Marianne had been in a severe car accident. And she kind of had like a limp. And she required wearing shoes with a lift inside the one. So to walk that far, she doesn't think she would have done it unless it was emergency. Uh, Marianne's mother's name is Geraldine. I'm going to say it wrong. I know it. Ingon Oro, possibly. Forgive me if I said it wrong. But she is the one who ended up calling the police, not Jer. And she called on the 7th. So the reason she, uh, the mother was so worried, I mean mother's instincts but they talked daily since marianne's mother lived out of state and they were extremely close in one of the articles her mother said they were like sisters which is so heartbreaking mm. geraldine was immediately worried with the two days of silence and this it's sketchy story from Jer. marianne had never been seen or heard from again from that phone call and from Jer supposedly seeing her did Jer give a reason why he wouldn't report her missing like that seems like something he should have done pretty quickly, you know, especially if it was out of the ordinary and if he, she was supposed to be there when they got back from the park. He did not have a good story at all. Uh, his story, as we go along, it changes a lot. Um, and he claims that it just wasn't uncommon, but everyone that knew her, coworkers, friends, neighbors, they all said that she would never leave unexpectedly and not come back for her son. Yeah, to just leave while they're at the park and then not come back for two days. Yeah, doesn't make sense. And it's also important to note she didn't take any of her belongings. Uh, and then it made me think about one of our earlier cases. You know, was she, you know, possibly picked up on the way just to go get stuff? We did a case about, I think, a teenager who was walking to the mall to get a Christmas gift and she had never mm. been seen again. Um, so it's like, could that have happened? But the police did not think so from the beginning. They immediately started looking at Jer because, well, we know it's always a spouse. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah. I may uh, have missed it. it. Did she make it to the Turkey Hill? No, the staff oh, said okay. that they didn't see her. They never found like a receipt or anything. And I mean, back then cash was used a lot, not like... We are heavily, you know, using cards and stuff. So, but it, it was assumed she never made it. Yeah. Especially if they knew Got her it. and they would know that, you know, oh, that's Marianne. That's right. here. But I do think it's hard because I'm probably sure they did not have uh, video surveillance and they were being questioned a couple days after. So is it a hundred percent accurate? It's like hard to say, I guess. That's true. Yeah, that's I used to work at a Sunoco right. in college and there would be regulars that come in there. But I guess if I was asked a few days later, I might be fuzzy on the day that they were in there. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. So, yeah. Well, Jared didn't make it easy for himself. Um, on the 15th of June, the pair were supposed to have a custody hearing regarding their son. And he also couldn't produce a note that Marianne had left because apparently he tossed it, but then couldn't find it in the trash. Uh, mm -hmm. That's convenient. Yeah, I know. Super convenient. 
he just swore up and down that it wasn't out of the ordinary. It wasn't something that, you know, took him by surprise. So why should he keep it? But then it's like they did search the trash, couldn't find it. And it's like, well, what happened to that specific piece of trash, really? Um, they The police also found it important that Marianne had taken in a boarder who was just basically a renter. And it has been rumored that it was more than just this person being a tenant. And it's not that this was the only renter they had. I guess they did that for extra money. They had renters before, but this particular person, it was rumored that they were kind of close. Like romantically? Yeah. Mm, okay. Yep. So right now you got Jer already going through a separation is now getting to be super suspicious of this tenant. I mean, all signs are pointing toward Jer. And it's hard because Marianne's living in the in his house and he's living with his parents. So right. another, yeah, didn't look good. Uh, police definitely wondered if Jared maybe had discovered that there was more to this relationship. Uh, the young man's name was William Pellet. And I had read that he had been running for a couple of months before this point. And after the disappearance, Jared basically kicked out this renter and moved back into the home. And he had been living there since, well, since today. He still lives there oh, in that wow. same house. Wow. So police went to the Baggins Dose's residence to talk to Jared on the 8th of June. And during the walk through the house, officers noticed a cardboard over disturbed earth, like a big piece. And this was in his garage. And this kind of alarmed authorities. And they immediately got a search warrant that was issued on the 13th. They discovered a shallow grave and thought they were going to be finding the remains of Marianne. So the area ended up getting redug and measured three feet by six feet by five, but they never found her. And I personally think like it was his intention. But when like the police didn't just like go with his story, there had something else had to happen. Hmm, okay. Yeah, he, he moved her or thought about digging and moved her. But they would have found stuff. If they brought dogs and stuff in, they would even if she was in there at one point, they would have seen signs of it. So if they didn't yeah. find any remnants there. They definitely didn't. They didn't find any remains. But I don't know, maybe, I mean, it takes a long time to gra um, to dig an area that big on your own with just like rudimentary, rudimentary tools. I feel like maybe he was planning and he just didn't expect how soon someone would call the police. <sighs> but who knows? Um, her body has never been found even to this day. They did find this shallow grave, but they also found this quote unquote crumpled up note that was reportedly written by Marianne and it was seized as evidence. And, you know, when Jer was having these verbal conversations with the police, his story changed what the note actually said. So now they had it, I guess, in custody. And that note would become important down the line. Was that found in the hole that was dug? Do you know? Or was it just? No. Okay. It was found in his living room in in an item that I had never heard of, but I didn't write it down. Oh. Sorry. Okay. But so suspicious it because it was clearly hidden. Okay. Yeah. Do we know that she definitely wrote it? That's uh, what they use um, okay. later on. They. And why would he hide that if that's what he was claiming? I guess unless it said something completely different. I don't know. I'm sure. They never released exactly what was said. Okay. Only kind of the things that he said, like, you know, cars not working, going to Turkey Hill, or like, I need something from Turkey Hill, just want to take a walk. Like, he kept changing what the note actually said. Okay. Gotcha. Police also ended up talking to Jared's employer, 
and they were kind of alarmed when they found out that he didn't make it to work on the 5th and it was marked as an unexcused absence. So that also does not look very good for him. During interviews with the police, they noticed Jer had a wound to his left arm and he had inconsistent stories on how he obtained this injury. He wouldn't really give them a straight answer. And like we talked about, he gave inconsistent stories about this supposed note until they were able to find it. And all of her neighbors claimed that her car like didn't have any issues. I guess like it was a community where, you know, neighbors kind of came together and helped and she didn't ask anyone or tell anyone that the car was was giving issues at all. How was this guy not arrested that day? Exactly. Like, so, this like, is a oh, lot of circumstantial yeah. evidence. Yeah, I sure realize you can't use any one little yeah. piece, but when you have a pile Man. of it. Yeah. Not looking good. Uh, this kind of goes along with the Turkey Hill employees, but there were employees also at Long's Park and they claimed that they never saw Jared's car there or his son on the 5th, which again is I don't know how long they were questioned. Like, I don't know how many days later. And it's like, sure, that's just hard. Yeah. It was reported that June 29th, Jared also hired a lawyer and started to refuse talking to police. And he did later on down the line tell him that Marianne was sending postcards, which sounds like super sketchy. Like, is he making a cover story or not? But it was really interesting because the detectives were actually sending the postcards. So he was getting postcards. Oh, wow. Oh, weird. Uh, I had never really heard of that, but they were kind of hoping that by sending these postcards, it would kind of shake up some evidence or maybe guilt him or anything. And they actually sent postcards all the way up until 1998. And... He didn't that really is mention them. Weird. Yeah. Huh. So it made hard for arresting because there was no body or really a crime scene, but it did not look good. Obviously, they tried to look at other suspects as well. They did look into the renters that had rented for Mary Ann from when she went missing to the people before William Pellet, before him, one of his friends was renting and it did not end well. Apparently he was growing pot there and she was not happy about it. So she had kicked him out and they were worried that maybe it was, you know, they left on bad terms, but both of them were given polygraphs. The re results were never disclosed, but obviously, I mean, if something was wrong, they probably would have arrested or spent more time on them. Was there any info on what Pellet said to police? No. And if he was cleared? No. Because it sounds so, like he, the people who are innocent are usually pretty upfront and the stories jive pretty quickly. He's actually not mentioned that much at all. <laughs> I only found his name in one article and he was only ever mentioned in another article and they didn't give his name, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Uh, the police were so desperate and they really cared about this case. Um, they actually paid for psychics. They paid for two different ones just trying to find the body of Marianne and nothing ever panned out that they got. Geraldine, her mother, was just as desperate and she had hired a private investigator named Richard Jeffries. And Geraldine was quoted in Lancaster New Era article saying, closure's finally coming, you deserve what you get. And the police had conducted multiple searches near the home over the weeks after Mary went missing because uh, that area did have open land um, and they thought that maybe she got dumped. So I'm assuming that Geraldine probably has suspected Jer. Yes. Like kind of the whole time. Okay. Yeah. So life ended up moving on. We all kind of know how that goes. Um, with her disappearance, Jer won custody of their son. In an article that was posted in Lancaster New Era, Geraldine claims that Jer's parents raised Jeremy and he was sent to Milton Hershey, which is crazy to me because Milton Hershey is a boarding school and it's like 
Jer seemed to want to fight so hard to get Jeremy back. And then he just literally threw him in a boarding school. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Right. A lot of times it's a perceived he doesn't really want him back. He wants people to think he wants him back. Yeah, but it killed me because, like, the parents didn't want to deal with him. They sent him there, and and it seemed like Geraldine really did want him, but she kind of didn't have any choice, and it just kills me because that boarding school is intense. I actually went there to tour it. It's beautiful, don't get me wrong, but you're in these houses, and you have these mock parents, like a mother and a father, and it's pretty intense. It's pretty regimented school. Wow. And I wonder if... um the child was having behavioral issues because, I mean, his mom is gone. His dad doesn't seem great. So I wonder if they were just like, we don't want to deal with him. Like, it's just sad all around, no matter what. But how old was he when Marianne? I'm sorry if you said it. I missed that. He was two. I'm looking at a picture and he's so cute. Yeah, the kids are oftentimes collateral damage. Than all yeah. this. Yeah. Like you don't, then they don't, sometimes don't even realize it till they're adults. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> Over the years, police have checked in on Marianne's case. It seems like they were like super concerned, um, which sometimes you don't get. And it's really great to see that. There was never any activity with her social security number, bank accounts, or, and she didn't make any contact with friends or family. Geraldine ended up passing away in 2016, never seeing justice for her daughter, which is heartbreaking. I hate that. That same year, police started actively looking back into the case, though I did read a couple articles said that it was in 2018. So I'm guessing between 2016 and 2018, not sure exactly when, but they definitely revamped their efforts. So obviously they had to pivot because they didn't find a body and obviously Jer wasn't confessing to anything, and they started to take a harder look at the seized note taken in 1984. Detectives wanted to compare the writing on the note to Jer's handwriting, and they started searching for public records with his writing on it. They're, they sus- suspected that the handwriting matched, and it led to um, a warrant in September 20th, 2022, which is like wow. very, like that's, um, what is it, almost like 40 years um, that it took them to put that together and it was at the same house because he was still living there and they were their warrant was for more handwritten documents to compare and they wanted to reevaluate the garage where they had originally found the shallow grave the handwriting documents were sent to pa police bureau forensic services regional laboratory for analysis and the this is a quote uh from one of the articles in the new era that said the analysis compared handwriting contained on a note recovered by police on June 13th, 1984, purportedly explaining her whereabouts to the item seized on September 20th, 2022. The findings in the report stated the note recovered by police in 1984 was written by Jer Bagenstos. So wasn't written by her. And they just did this, right? You said 2022? Yep. So, I mean, he's chances are there's going to be a warrant soon. I mean, I know they don't have a body, but until they do, it's not like they have DNA that's been laying around that they can retest. They don't have anything. So it's like they're either going to arrest him on a circumstantial case or this is going to drag on until she she surfaces. Well, that's what they did. They ended up arresting him without incident December 22nd, 2022, without bail. So they did decide to do it. 
He was arrested for criminal homicide and Lancaster District Attorney Heather Adams said the Baggins-Dose case, unlike many of the cold cases solved in recent years, does not revolve around DNA. Instead, it has been solved through decades of hard work and dedication by law enforcement, beginning with the, I'm going to say it wrong, Piquet Township Police Department and ending with the Pennsylvania State Police. Jair was released from prison on May 24th, 2023, after posting a bond of $925,000 in bail. Yeah. On, so he hasn't gone to trial yet. It has not. Nope. <laughs> on the 22nd of May, according to Lancaster Online reporting quoted in PenLive, Judge Merrill Spahn ruled that prosecutors had not presented sufficient evidence to support it was substantially more likely than not that Baggins dose committed a non-bailable offense as interpreted under the 2022 Supreme Court ruling of Commonwealth First Tally. The terms of Jair's bail is he can't contact witnesses, has to wear a GPS monitor, and can't leave Lancaster County unless he has permission from the DA's office. I really can't find any information for when the trial, you know, will actually start. And I did read that cases without DNA evidence or a body are extremely difficult. I did read in a Daily Mail article that they claim that if there is no body but strong evidence, then it is possible to convict. And I'm just interested to think what you guys are thinking about it. I know it's been done, but yeah, it is really hard despite the mountain of circumstantial evidence. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like a slam dunk, but juries love DNA Mm -hmm. and body in a body. You just can't prove it's a, the whole no body, no crime. It's like, well, prove it. So you can prove it. Exactly. And that's the thing. He may get he may get nailed for something less in the end. Um, obstruction, something, you know, if they can't prove murder. Because that's that is going to be tough. I mean, there's no trace that's, of her. It's He's really got to be older now. Oh, Maybe is. it'll still effectively give him life in prison. But I don't know if he'll also possibly take uh, like a plea deal or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's a possibility. Or maybe he is so old or maybe if his son begs him to kind of just like give it up or tell the truth. I mean, maybe maybe he will. Did they definitely go to the park that day? Him and the son? I mean, do we know that he ever really went there? Were there witnesses that corroborated that they were at the park when she supposedly went missing? Well, they did have employees say that they never saw him there, didn't see his car. But then it goes back how how many days after did they question? Like, not like they have security cameras like they do nowadays. That's hard. Well, he's smart because his kid was so young, would have no memory of it. So it's not like they could lean on him as an alibi. Which is crushing. There could be things going on behind closed doors that are just not publicized. So they may have more because when you charge somebody, I doubt it was just handwriting on a note, you know, so there might be some things that we just don't know about. That's true. And it definitely might come out in, you know, when they go to trial and we'll definitely give an update because obviously it's going to happen. It's just when these things can take a while. Marianne was beautiful. She has such like a pretty smile and such a kind face. You said she was a nurse, right? A nurse's aide. Yep. A nurse's aide. I feel like she. She's very calming looking and soothing, and I feel like she'd be so good at that. She's such a, she's really calm and um, friendly eyes. She is very beautiful. 
But I did want to end on a positive note. Um, Geraldine said that she visited Jeremy regularly to celebrate his accomplishments. After Milton Hershey, he attended Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and has his own pilot's license, wow. which is not just like an easy task. Uh, and one of her last interviews, she said that he worked for a software company in Florida, and that's where he resides currently. And Geraldine claimed that when he smiles and tilts his head, all she sees is Marianne. Aww. Aww. Yep. Well, I'm glad he seems to be doing well. That's important. You can see these things go the other way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's tough because other than them splitting up and her potentially having a new love interest, was there much more motive? I mean, getting custody, I guess. But was there was there money? I guess. Did he ever have her declared dead, like legally deceased? It didn't say that. Mm -hmm. But I would assume that if she won custody, he'd have to pay. Oh, true. (laughs) And back then, image was kind of like all that. Yeah, it really, really was. Especially when I think they were only town. together, what, three years? I think you yeah, said in the beginning. So, long. I mean, so, I mean, I think things went south real quick. And then um, this this used car story came out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people do that, though. You know, you, you know, you have problems. Everybody around, you know, you have problems. But then when, so, when things go south, it's like I was just trying to help. And, and she just needed me there. And I took her for a car and this and that. Like, Mr. Helpful, when for the past three years, you've probably not been Mr. Helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a shame. Yeah. I just don't understand, like, why a lot of these stories, it's like you could just just leave and yeah. right. better for everyone. But some people it's can't. About control. It's a pride thing. Yeah. Or that. Oh, yes. That, too. So it's really And they don't shame, care but... that there's a child involved. Nope. nope. Ego child. Yep. But once this does go to trial, we'll keep everyone updated. Awesome. Well, I just want to remind our listeners. Well, thank you so much for listening. And please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcast. You want to find out more about us, the pod and the cases we cover or want to suggest a case. Please visit us at kccpod.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Keystone Cold Cases and Instagram TikTok at KCC Pod, or you can send us an email at keystonecoldcases at gmail.com. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Megans. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.